Globalcast MD is committed to advancing medical knowledge through podcasts, impactful videos, and content found on our companion app. Stay current. This forum podcast you're listening to highlights medical trends and topics of wide interest and even those working on the front lines of healthcare. So, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to Stay Current Surgical Forum, where today we have one of my dear friends, Dr. Nat Soper, who's the professor and chairman of the Department of Surgery at the University of Arizona College of Medicine at Phoenix. Nat has been a pioneer in laparoscopic minimally invasive surgery and foregut surgery, and he actually taught me how to do laparoscopic cholecystectomy uh, probably in 1990, a few years back. Uh, Nat has uh, refined the procedure and taught it to so many throughout the world. So Nat, thanks for being here today. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's a real pleasure. So you think it's a pleasure, but right now what I'm going to do is to ask you how to perform a lap coli. How easy could that be? But let me tell you about a patient that you may see. Um, she's a, a 48-year-old woman who's a little bit heavy. She weighs about 180 pounds, and she is a, a, a type 2 diabetic. And she comes to you because she's had multiple, multiple attacks of right upper quadrant pain, and the ultrasound shows that she has a thickened gallbladder wall and gallstones. And so you set her up for a lap coli, and you bring her in the OR, and you review everything before you do it, and you take her in the OR, and, and uh, they put her to sleep, and your residents prep her abdomen. And uh, she's all draped, and you go up to the table, and you examine her abdomen, and what you see, what you feel is that in the right upper quadrant, there is a fullness there is a somewhat of a mass in the right upper quadrant. Does this change what you're going to do? No, I don't think so. I mean, it sounds like she's going to probably have a very chronically inflamed gallbladder with a bunch of, of omentum stuck to it. That would be my But best. where are you going to put in your ports? How you, where do you do that? Well, I'm going to put my initial one down at the umbilicus where it should be well away from anything that, that's um, going on in the right upper quadrant. How do you do that now? What approach do you do at the umbilicus? You do Hassan or what do you do? So if, if a if a patient is not obese, I will do a Hassan. In, okay. in patients with a BMI over about you know 32 to 35, well, where it would you would require a fairly large incision to do a, a Hassan, then I will do a um, a varus. Okay. You don't use the OptiView in these patients at all? I don't. I've seen a couple of terrible complications when people have used that. And so I, um, I'm old school. Yeah, so am I. All right. So you get in with your first port. You can see the right upper quadrant's got a lot of momentum in there. You put in the other ports. Just tell me quickly where those other ports are. Well, usually one is in the epigastrium um, and, and it, it angles just above the falciform coming across. And then the, the two in the right upper quadrant are in the usually the uh, mid clavicular line and then the anterior axillary line, something like that. All right. And, and, so and, and I always put in the epigastric one last because that's the most important one in terms of your angle getting at the gallbladder. Okay, um, that's or, your operating surgeon's right hand. Yeah. All right, so you get in there and you're right. The omentum is stuck. You can't even see the gallbladder, but you see the edge of the liver with omentum stuck there. How do you take that down? Well, the, the, this is the kind of thing that we see actually fairly frequently. And, and the, some of the hardest cases are the ones where you can't even find the gallbladder for half an hour or something, you know. And, and so it, 
it's it's time consuming. It's a pain in the butt, but you, essentially what you have to do is you know grab the momentum and and usually just using cautery. But sometimes uh, I've actually brought in harmonic shears or something to help with this because it can get a little bloody. But usually, if you get right at the junction of momentum with whatever else and exert some traction there and a little bit of low wattage cautery, you can usually start peeling this back until you can find a little bit of the fundus of the gallbladder, because that's really the key, so that you can then grasp that and, and elevate it so you get counter traction on it. Okay, so you start taking this down. At what point do you know that you've taken it down enough? Well, I mean, I, I think you need to take it down as much as you can, because otherwise it's going to be tethering that right lobe of the liver and make it really hard to expose. So I certainly take it down until it's off of the gallbladder, off of uh, what I consider would be the, the area of the cystic duct and cystic artery to get it away from there. So you get down to the infundibulum, you get below the infundibulum, and now you start to do what? How do you work at that point? You've got it exposed. What do you do? Right. Well, again, what I tell the what I tell the residents is we're going to do a modified top down, but only start about a third of the way up from the bottom. Okay. Okay. And and so I try and get right on the wall of the gallbladder and go back and forth from medial to lateral, what the French used to call waving the flag. Um, and so you can actually get a good three dimensional view looking at it from both sides. And obviously, this would be an angled laparoscope. Um, I, I can't understand how some people still use zero degree laparoscopes, but I think the angled scope really helps and, and dissect right along the gallbladder wall down toward the infundibulum. Okay. And then obviously what we're going to try to achieve before doing you know anything irreversible with clips or cutting or anything else is to, is to see the critical view of safety. Okay. So let's stop there a minute. I love the fact that you're doing a dissection up high first both sides getting even, do you get all the way around the gallbladder or you just sort of take both sides down a little bit? Take both sides down. I like to actually keep it symmetrical. Um, okay. I see a lot of the trainees who just stay on the, on the left side of the gallbladder, the ventral side of the gallbladder yes. for 99% of the dissection. I think that really hurts you. You know, I, I think if you get it from the lateral side as well, you get lots more freedom on that gallbladder to be able to dissect underneath it and be able to move it around. Yeah. You wave, the, you wave that flag. I love that analogy. And you're taking it down. And at this point, Matt, what happens to me is that all of a sudden everything looks fused there. You can see where you sink the cystic duct is and the cystic artery, but it looks like a single piece of thick material. What do you do there? How do you dissect it out? Well, one thing I like to do is to actually do intraoperative ultrasound. Oh, good. Okay. And so in a, in a tough case like this, I'll often actually do it multiple times. Once at the beginning of the operation to get an idea where, where the gallbladder is in this particular patient. But at this point, if it's really hard to, to uh, do the critical view of safety safely, then an ultrasound can show you where the gallbladder ends, where the bile duct is in relation to where you're dissecting. How and do you think, separate that tissue? What's that? How do you separate that tissue? Get it apart. Do you use a, so, a mirror or do you suction? Again, that, I don't think that there are any real tricks to this, Jeff. I mean, it's a lot of traction, counter-traction. I actually use a lot of what I call uh, irrigation suction uh, Kittner dissecting. So blunt dissecting, there's usually a fair amount of blood by this time. Often you put a hole in the gallbladder and there's bile. It's hard to see anything. 
Um, and instead of getting a whole bunch of Kittner dissectors, I'll just get my suction aspiration catheter and use that in, in, my, in my right hand, my dissecting hand, to really push, again, right along the gallbladder wall as much as you can to get things separated. You know, I didn't um, the, mention it. Have you used endocyanin green at all to identify the biliary structures? I have used it some. Um, I've had trouble getting patients in early enough to give it early enough. So everything is just bright green usually when I get in there. And in a case like this, um, I've, I've had one not dissimilar to this where, you know, it, 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 given the tissue characteristics, you really can't see much in, in regards to the duct. So I have, I have not been really impressed with ICG, but I know a lot of people who have been and use it on a regular basis. All right. So I'm, you're dissecting here and you've got what you think is the, is the cystic duct and what you think is the cystic artery next to it. It's not perfectly defined, but there's a little bile hole in the, right near the gallbladder, uh, you know, where you think is the cystic duct junction. Uh, what do you do for that? You say there's a bile hole? There's a, a, a hole draining bile a little tiny hole that's draining some bile right up there. So is that, does, does it look like it's coming from the liver or? No, no, no. It's on the ductal structure as it seems to go into the gallbladder. Ah, okay. Um, so um, again, I would make sure I've dissected out the critical view of safety. So all of that fatty material, all of that peritoneal stuff, all of the scar tissue holding that neck, the infundibulum of the gallbladder into the liver has been divided. So the, the gallbladder is, you know, now an inch and a half away from anything uh, around it. Okay. And if then that, um, it, it, that should prove then whether this is cystic duct or not. If it's cystic duct with a hole in it, there's no big deal. Um, I mean, I might put a catheter down to a clandrogram just ah, to prove You know it. what I was trying to get you to do. <laughs> right, and just to prove that that's what it is. But, I, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to, again, if you've dissected it all out. If you have not dissected it all out, then you absolutely have to do a clandrogram so you can get a better idea of what that ductal structure so is. So if they're having trouble getting a good critical view, then they can use that little opening to do a clandrogram. Yes. Okay, very good. Well, you've got it dissected out, and you're happy with what you've got. And uh, what would be your indications to do a cholangiogram in this patient? So um, I actually um, believe in a, in a couple of things in, in, in the Lapcoli religion wars. Um, one of that is that everybody should know how to do cholangiography. So in a residency program, I think we ought to do them very frequently, regardless of indications. Likewise with ultrasound. I, I love teaching residents how to use ultrasound in, in the laparoscopic abdomen because you can only see the visible surfaces and the ultrasound lets you see beyond those visible surfaces. Um, the reality is that cholangiograms do add time, um, they do add money. Um, and the majority of the time, they're not absolutely necessary. So I can certainly understand why people would be selective cholangiographers. What are your criteria? What would you do? Just give me a list. So the criteria would be uncertain anatomy, number one. Uh, number right. two would be if, if, um, if when, so the other thing that I do routinely is before I clip and, div and divide the cystic duct, I'll put a clip on the, on the stay side up on the gallbladder and make a little incision in the cystic duct and milk it backwards to see if there are stones in the cystic duct. And then if you would do a stones in the cystic duct. If there are yeah. stones in the cystic duct, in, in our experience, that's one of the prime uh, things that will show you that there probably are common bile duct stones too. 
So cystic well, duct stone means cholangiography. Patients had jaundice, you might do a cholangiogram also. So jaundice, uh, dilated bile duct on preoperative ultrasound. Um, and um, so if you have a relatively medium to high um, uh, concern about uh, a bile duct stones, or if the anatomy is unclear, you have to do a cholangiogram. All right, so you do all this and everything's good and you, you put your clips on and you divide your gallbladder and you take it out. How do you take it out of its bed? I, I just use low low water scottery, um, and again, a lot of a lot of traction on the gallbladder. So, the other thing that happens with these gallbladders that you've just uh, mentioned in terms of the degree of chronic inflammation, they're usually intrahepatic. There's no plane between the gallbladder and the liver, and in those patients, I do what the what I tell the residents is called uh, controlled evulsion. So left hand, a lot of traction on the pulling the gallbladder away from the liver, right hand just barely touching that, that junction of, of gallbladder with liver with low water cautery and essentially carve it out of there. So you've and got you it out. In you've got it out. You've got it out intact. Um, and there's some uh, oozing from the bed. What do you do for that? Well, usually start with just um, cautery. Um, so I'll put... I'll put a, a, a suction, a irrigation suction thing in my left hand. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do this before I can uh, completely take the gallbladder off the bed so that the assistant can be holding up the, the right lobe of the liver with that remaining bit of gallbladder. Left hand then with an irrigating suction, suction you can suck the smoke, you can suck blood or whatever. Right hand with a, with a cautery um, and just touching the, uh, the, the areas that are bleeding. And 99% of the time you can get it stopped. So um, if you see a dot of bile uh -huh. in the middle of the bed, what do you do? Just a dot. So, so if it's clearly in the middle of the bed and everything else you've done um, has, has shown you that you knew the ductal anatomy, then, I mean, if it's, if it's tiny. I mean, this if, could if be a Lushka duct, for example. Right. So it's a, if it's a Lushka duct, uh, I would probably try to put a stitch in it, um, uh, you know, a, a small stitch. Um, it, but the likelihood is that's not going to hold anyway, so I'd put a drain in. Likewise, if if I was deep into the bed in one of these intrahepatic uh, gallbladders, I will I will put a, a, a active drain in and leave it in, you know, at least for several hours if we're going to try and send them home, or usually keep the patient overnight and just make sure there's no bile in there. So as we come to a close, I want to ask you: Is it your intention to send most of them home the same day? Absolutely, ninety-five percent go home. That? Do you give the patient any special medication to relieve pain, either intraoperatively or postoperatively? What do you do? Well, um, the, the anesthesiologist will usually give them some, we usually use IV Tylenol, which I think works pretty well. Um, we'll send them home with a, like five um, hydrocodone tablets or something like that, but only five, um, and tell them if they need more than that, they need to call. But I, I, I just tell them to go ahead and take either ibuprofen or Tylenol in addition to that for the first few days. If they have more pain than that, there's a problem. I want to say thank you, Nat. You know, it's good to know that you're still doing what you taught me and that uh, you can still take out a gallbladder. <laughs> I'm done taking out gallbladders. I'm retiring now. But all I can tell you is you'll always be my hero. And I thank you so much for uh, doing this with us today. 
Well, and Jeff, I've got to say, um, in return, you're a, you're a hero of all of us uh, endoscopic, laparoscopic surgeons for what you've done uh, for the field. And so it's it's been so much fun being able to hang out with you over the last uh, 30 years since we've been doing this laparoscopic stuff. So anyway, thank you for including me in this series. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Check back at either globalcastmd.com, the State Current Pediatric Surgery app, or wherever you get your podcasts. More of the moment content is frequently posted, highlighting topics for folks who scrub up, seek new medical knowledge, and those who put patients first. But until then, I'll catch you on the next episode of the State Current Forums.